Welcome to the Fam Time Podcast, where we discuss family worship, intentionality, and many other topics related to home discipleship. We hope to encourage and equip you in your parenting journey so that many generations will hear and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to the Fam Time Podcast. I am so excited to introduce our guest today. I am here with Lainey Staten. Lainey, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I always love to allow our guests to go ahead and introduce themselves instead of me trying to describe their ministry, <laughs> just <laughs> not quite as well as they could. So, Lainey, I want you to tell us about yourself. I want you to tell us about your background. Then we'll get into how uh, you and I connected not too long ago. Sure. Um, well, I grew up a little all over the place. Um, I was born in Texas and I've lived in Guatemala and Arizona and Mexico. And that's because my dad was either serving as a pastor or as a missionary. So I am a PMA, PMK, pastor missionary kid. Um, well, then, a, a P, PMA and, and a PC. <laughs> and uh, what's 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 the pastor's kid abbreviation? You're you've got double um, certification here, right? Yeah, PK is a pastor's kid, and then MK is a missionary kid. So I always called myself a PMK. <laughs> Man, you need to write a book. I mean, good night. I bet you've got some stories, but no, keep going, keep going. <laughs> and then um, my husband and I met um, at Laterno University in East Texas, mm -hmm. and we moved to Austin, Texas, once we were married and lived there five years. And okay. then we made a big move to Chattanooga, Tennessee. And now we've okay. been um, here in Chattanooga for um, 10 years almost. And okay. since moving to Chattanooga, our uh, God grew our family. And now we have three kids ranging from seven to three. Okay. And, um, and then it's also here in Chattanooga that I kind of did a career change. Okay. I had studied court reporting, <laughs> stenography, and... Um, we started attending a church, um, North Shore Fellowship, and okay. quickly realized that they, that it was just a place that I could go and be a part of and serve and got plugged into the children's ministry, um, not with the expectation that I would be on staff. Right. <laughs> sort of happened, as most children's ministry leaders can, um, can it said, you know, that's what happens. You just kind of get pulled from the pew into the children's ministry. Absolutely, yeah. And so that's what happened. And I became the um, children's ministry director at my church and served there for seven and a half years. Um, mm -hmm. And then last year, it was just very clear that um, God was calling me away from that role. And mm -hmm. so I sadly, <laughs> sadly left. But I mean, it's just been awesome to see that he had other plans. Um, and so my work is now um through the PCA CDM, and I'll, I'll go into the, what that sure. is more. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm the Teach Us to Worship coordinator, which is a new program for us. And that's how I serve now. That's wonderful. And are you still in Tennessee, did you say? Yes, I'm still yeah. in Tennessee, and I still worship at North Shore Fellowship. Right. Uh, we're still very involved with our church. That's that's wonderful. And, and I wanted to kind of cue our audience into kind of how you and I connected. And just the kindred spirit, both organizationally, and then just what you've been called to do. So you and I both were in the exhibit hall, just re representing our different ministries at the Children's Pastors Conference, not too long ago in Orlando. And so, I mean, those exhibit halls are always an interesting experience because, I mean, you 
you feel like a drop in the bucket, which is great because there's so many wonderful ministries there. But one of my favorite things about those exhibit halls is getting to find out about these ministries and getting to learn about other passionate family ministry leaders and discipleship leaders, children's ministry, youth ministry leaders, connecting with them and hearing what God is doing. Uh, because here's what we've always said on this podcast, what we've said in our ministry, uh, man, the more the merrier. There's more work to be done than there are people to do it, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the, the field is white for harvest. So when we see um, uh, anything connected to family ministry, to the discipleship of children, the discipleship of parents, we just we just get really excited. So as I got to meet you and hear about your ministry a little bit more, your denomination a little bit more, uh, it just it just really piqued my interest. So I would love for you to explain kind of what denomination. You mentioned some abbreviations there. I would love for you to um, help us understand who your denomination is, and then go from that to what you've been called to specifically in your role. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try really hard because. Um to explain it well, because there's yeah. a lot of pieces, um, but also I've only been in the PCA for um, like 10 years. Okay, yeah, sure. And so um, I'm still learning a lot. I still have a lot to learn, but um, the PCA is the Presbyterian Church in America, and okay. it started about 50 years ago, and now it has grown uh, to have over um, 1,900 churches um, wow. all over the United States. And so it's, I don't know actually how it falls. Is it a small denomination or a large denomination? Sure. But, um, the way we're organized is that there is um, there are teaching elders and ruling elders mm -hmm. that shepherd a church. And then there are presbyteries, and those are kind of smaller um groups of churches and mm -hmm. then there's a general assembly that mm -hmm. oversees all the presbyteries and all the teaching and ruling elders mm -hmm. and the general assembly has five committees and five agencies that carry out the mission of the pca okay. and one of those committees is committees a committee on discipleship ministry and gotcha. that's the cdm Mm -hmm. um, and CDM's hope is to connect people to people and people to resources Love it. Um, and that way encourage churches in their discipleship so that they know um, so that they have the right tools in their hands to disciple those that they have been um, that they are in charge of shepherding and then um, also hopefully connect them to resources that encourage that as well and people and mm -hmm. so um through my um, work as a children's ministry leader at my church, that's how I became familiar with CDM mm -hmm. and what they do because they provide um, training for children's ministry leaders. They have an yep. annual retreat for them um, and they produce curriculum for churches to use in the children's ministry. Mm -hmm. And um, so through that, I kind of got to know more about that and grew in my role and then so they kind of knew me as mm -hmm. I was kind of um, growing in my role as a children's ministry leader. Um, and what I also got to learn through all that is that what sets kind of us apart is that we're both reformed and covenantal in our theology. Okay. And so uh, reformed meaning, you know, that it's... Uh, the five solas. So scripture mm -hmm. alone, faith alone, grace alone, 
um, through Christ alone um, and God alone. And so, mm -hmm. um, and then the covenant theology, theology piece is that God is a covenantal God, that mm -hmm. he works through these covenants, that he mm -hmm. reminds us over and over again that he is our God and that we are his people. Mm -hmm. And the reason I go into that is because when we're talking about discipleship and mm -hmm. uh, discipling children and families and um and all that worship i think the topic of worship constantly comes out because we're in our churches and that's what we mm. do at church we worship um but it's through this covenantal and reformed theology that my view of worship kind of started broadening up and seeing mm. as all of life being worship and that there are you know three components that we do worship more mm -hmm. formally there's corporate worship and family worship mm -hmm. which i would define family worship as anyone that is in your over your roof so yes. you know roommates however god has set up your family multi-generational oh, sure. families yeah. uh single parents and then your individual worship mm. um, so and it what's been neat to kind of see is how they're all tied together how god uses each part of that um to help a child grow in their mm. faith yeah so um i love that i love that picture by the way of just these several different god-ordained god-designed channels that are absolutely integral in the process of discipling a child i, I love that yeah because i always kind of envision this like tapestry that's being formed where these threads you don't always see how they're coming together yeah but then when it's complete it's this beautiful piece of work well and, said yeah and that's the thing like in my story i can always i can see how god used this one thing and this one thing and he was just weaving it together mm -hmm. and just building that foundation from a very early age oh yeah um, to grow and to be a to be a lifelong worshiper which is mm. our hope our hope is that we're in our churches and we are um hopefully creating a place where children can um grow to be lifelong worshipers love and it. it just it doesn't take it it takes more than the parents and mm -hmm. it takes the church absolutely it takes the congregation it takes the I parents, love it. it takes mm -hmm. the elders the pastors it's yes. everyone working together to mm -hmm. create this atmosphere and help um shepherd these children to be um lifelong worshipers yeah amen i love that that's wonderful so your role teach us to worship coordinator. So we've looked at the denomination for a little bit, and I love that perspective, not being in the Presbyterian church myself, but hearing from you at the conference and knowing what, I, one of the things I love, um, just, just personally, one of the things I love is to find out, uh, where there's other denominations that hold the scripture high, you know, have a high view of scripture and believe in the inerrancy of scripture, the sufficiency of scripture, believe in these what I what I believe are very very important issues, um, especially as you start talking about discipleship and children's ministry and how you use the Bible in the church and in the home and in the community, all that stuff. I love hearing about other denominations that hold Scripture high, and in their own um, how do you say it, their own brand or their own community or their own they they flesh that out in their own way. So I love I love to hear that. It really it encourages me so much because we need to lock arms with with more and more other denominations that have that same have that same view. And so though family 
time is not tied to a denomination. We do hold a high view of scripture and we always will. So that's, that's a big deal to me. So um, we've looked at your denomination um, briefly. We've looked at kind of what led you to this spot. Now help us understand your role a little bit more. The teach us to worship coordinator with the CDM. Help us understand that. Yeah, so um, about a, a little over a year ago, uh, CDM was approached um, to write a grant proposal. Mm -hmm. and it was based on on the hope of just helping children grow in worship and prayer. Love it. So um, they wrote the proposal and like praise the Lord that they were awarded this, these yes. funds. Yes. And so the program that they wrote was teach us to worship. Mm -hmm. And um and so that's kind of how my story weaves back into CDM because they they had invested so much in me mm. and grown me as a children's ministry leader. And I got to know them as well mm. so that, I mean, God's timing really worked it out to where I ended my role at my church. Mm. And a few months later, they got word that or CDM received word that they had received this grant. And mm. then we started conversations and it was just like the perfect fit um for me like you could clearly see um what what god was doing something because mm -hmm. um our hope with teach us to worship mm -hmm. is to um engage with church leaders equip children's ministry leaders mm -hmm. expand resources love and it. empower congregations oh i love it all with that hope where we're creating this culture shift mm -hmm. and so we kind of then the reason why um, is it is important to kind of create this culture shift where children are included in worship mm. is because worship is tied to, I mean, worship is our identity. Mm. We are created for worship. We are, we are saved for worship and we're mm. going to spend an eternity worshiping. Mm. And so, um, we've seen, I think maybe the Barna group released a study a few years ago that said something like two thirds of, um, young adults were leaving the church and so mm -hmm. they looked at that one third that um that did remain in the faith and what were some factors yeah. that led them to that and mm -hmm. and maybe you've talked about this in the podcast in your podcast before but it was that um belonging and connectedness and that mm -hmm. was so crucial to a child upbringing in the church and that's mm -hmm. kind of what led them to become resilient disciples later on wow and what I think congregations play an incredibly important role in that. And I think oh, one yeah. picture of this is that as a child is sitting in the pew or chairs mm -hmm. yeah. um, and is worshiping, is, is living out their identity with um, other image bearers mm. and getting to share their faith with one another and have that mutual kind of relationship with one another. And as they're mm. hearing more of these grown-up stories and how mm. god is alive and active and the way god meets them in their faith and in their struggles and mm. how he encourages them how a child who sees that mm. how they can how their faith can be strengthened from a very early age absolutely and so when they're singing great is thy faithfulness together mm. wow. that child is knows part of that grown-ups story and saying mm. wow or looking back and say mm. well i didn't know miss jones was going through yada 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 when mm -hmm. i was a child and we were seeing that together yet she sang with such conviction oh i love that it God is faithful and so 
that is so important. So how do we equip congregations to have that connection? And it's learning children's names. It's sharing a bulletin, sharing a hymnal together. It's, mm. you know, it's these little points of connection oh, yeah. that um, help build um, just that feeling of belonging in a child from a very, from a very yes. early stage. And so part of that covenantal theology is mm -hmm. deeply ingrained within um, our churches. Mm. And the reason I bring that back is because, you know, we find in scripture again and again, that children are included mm. in the gathering of God's people. Mm. Uh, one passage we could see that in is Joel too, where he says, gather the congregations, the children, the nursing infants, you know, he, the elders, he includes them all. And we see wow. that again and again through the old and new Testament where they're mm. never left out. And this mm. is how, I mean, in Deuteronomy, he says, this is how they will know these things. They will ask you, what is this, you know, mm. and this is how they'll know. And so um, children, children need to be brought into the worship service for them. Mm. Well, because it is their identity. They're called to worship too. Mm. Um, but it also is a way for them to grow in their faith and know the God that they're called to worship and sure. uh, be surrounded by other people who um, mm. are worshiping with them. Yeah, and I love that. We we have. I, let me just speak personally. I have uh, been very convicted about that, frankly, since right before my first daughter uh, came around. So we're looking at nine years ago, ten years ago, uh, starting to be exposed to resources like you mentioned briefly, just and and these biblical passages and things going. After I talked with my wife when we knew we wanted to have kids, we thought, all right, wherever possible, we wanna we wanna have the frankly, for us, the blessing of sitting next to our kids in the worship service. Um, and so in an interesting, I'd say if you would have told me this in my young 20s or in college, I don't think I would have uh, uh, been able to predict that I would be so passionate about that. But uh, man, we've never known anything different. We've, we've, but we've always existed in churches where that wasn't primarily the focus, but thank goodness the churches were always gracious to allow my daughters to sit with us. Um, and there's so many stories and we've shared some on this podcast before of just, you know, the cool unexpected blessings that Kristen and I, my wife and I have been able to experience just anecdotally, just in the mundane, you know, parts of a Sunday morning are seemingly mundane, right? Just you're, you're going through the different elements of the either spoken or unspoken liturgy of the church. And you're getting to do it next to your daughters. You're getting to show them what communion is. They're getting to see baptisms. They're getting to hear the preached word. They're getting to sing songs of worship, stand at the reading of God's word. And 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 also, like you mentioned, see these other church members, not just pastors, but see these other godly men and women worship God, interact with one another. Um, one thing that's become passionate for me over the last couple of years, though, is just pr protecting people from being um, needlessly legalistic with this idea as well to have a good balance. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I'm going, if you're in a church where they also offer children's church like ours, which we love, um, uh, but also welcomes the children in the, it's really, they really leave it up to the parents. And so we've seen some situations where on both sides, mm -hmm. where there's like, I mean, we've had, I've seen parents in the past say, 
if you encourage us to bring our kids into the boring, big worship service, then you don't care about the spiritual development of our kids. Mm -hmm. And then I've heard the far other extreme. Both of these are fascinating to me. I've heard the far other extreme where it says you offer children's church. Uh, you must not care about the spiritual development of our kids. <laughs> you see? Yeah. And so I love, uh, and even just in talking with you and with your background in children's ministry, I know you have a balanced approach to this. So I love being able to say, Hey, listen, a worship, worshiping as an intergenerational community on Sunday mornings with everyone welcome, like you described, man, that is such an important piece of your child's development. I believe in that so much. And I also believe in going, Hey, we got to meet people where they're at, you know? So what, what advice would you give? Let's start with to church leaders, mm. that church leader that hears what we're talking about, that maybe reads a book on the subject. There's a lot of great ones out there and they are, man, they are uh, very passionate. They're fire breathing. They're ready to go. They're ready to beat that drum. We need to have the kids in the worship service with us. How would you temper that? Mm -hmm. with that leader, that church leader, so that parents aren't needlessly neglected? Mm -hmm. That's see, a great that... question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a great question because um, I'll tell you a funny story. When I first started in my role, I was like, why do we have children's church? They're children's <laughs> church. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, we need to get rid of it. I wanted I'm to get rid of it. Yes. Only... Uh, listen, this is, this is a safe place. This is a safe place. You can say these things. I I'm, I'm laughing because I've, I was a youth pastor, so it wasn't in children's ministry, but I've been there. Yeah. Why, why but, do we do camp? Why do we do? Yeah. Uh, why? 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 Yeah. So keep going. Don't let me stop you. Um, but I quickly realized why, I mean, and my pastor was so gracious to me. Yes. Mine too. Mine. Yeah. Too. I mean, he worked with me. It was years of just mm. kind of like, not years, years. It was like two years of just coming around to this idea, but mm. here's what, cause if you do, I mean, I would be so on board with this pastor as his passion. If he was like, wait, we got to do this. Well, you mm -hmm. can't just take the rug out from under the parents. You have Bingo. to take a stepping, oh, I love like, it you know, a step, uh, steps uh, up to, to meet them where they're at. Yes. And so I think that you can't just surprise them with it. You have to create <laughs> ways to get them there. Right. And I think that's why, I mean, children's worship or children's church, however mm -hmm. you call it, sure. uh, is a great opportunity mm. to train children. Oh, here we go. Worship. I love yeah. it. I love and it. It's so, it's not it's not just on its own by itself serves its own purpose, but you're saying that you can actually utilize your existing children's church model to help equip kids to get ready to mm -hmm. join the rest of the congregation. Mm -hmm. I love and it. And because it's a very because I because I think they do need to see. They need to be part of most of the worship service for them yeah. to have just even an understanding of what's going on so mm -hmm. that then when they, when you do invite them mm -hmm. to children's worship, cause that's always an option, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's always within the parents, um, preference. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you invite them into children's worship, mm -hmm. how can you use that time to then reinforce what they're seeing, give mm -hmm. them context for what they're seeing in the service, and then hopefully them give them the tools they need for them to become active participators in worship. I love We're that. Not looking for 
a child who then goes into the worship service and is quiet for the whole hour, hour and a yeah, half. Hour yeah. And, yeah as, as if to say, like, just sit there and we've accomplished our goal. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would not be accomplishing the goal. Cause just think right. of yourself as an adult. Is mm -hmm. that what you do? No, no, you are actively engaging. And so I love um, this one book that kind of helped put words to a worship service and help me understand it more is this book called reformed worship by okay. um, John T Rhodes. All right. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to write it down. Okay. And it, and it talk he talks about how a worship service is a, basically a conversation. You're an, a God initiated conversation. And so like in our services, we start with a call to worship. Our maker mm -hmm. calls us to worship. Mm -hmm. um, of a typical one we use is Psalm 95. And mm -hmm. that's actually what our um, curriculum is kind of, it's kind of like our main verse for our yeah. curriculum, Psalm 95, mm -hmm. six and seven. Um, but it's a conversation. So he calls us to worship. We respond with singing. Mm -hmm. He tells us in the, his law that how we've fallen short, we respond with a confession of sin. Um, mm -hmm. he, and then he you know, we hear him speak through his word and we respond with more singing in prayer. Mm -hmm. And then we see, you know, communion, the Lord's supper and how he meets us in, in that and how he's talked, you know, he speaks through that, um, mm -hmm. showing us once again, his grace. And then we respond with some of our churches respond with, um, their tithes and offering at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then the most beautiful part mm -hmm. is that a sermon then ends with a benediction mm -hmm. that is, you know, a blessing from God and yeah. we get to respond with just open hands. And then we go forth into our lives. And I think that's, we respond then with a life of worship that a right. life is shaped by um, our worship of our King. And so the reason I go into all that is because yeah. if you think about all those things, how would a child even know that those things are happening if you don't mm. teach them? Right. And so we have curriculum specifically designed that he goes through those elements. Mm. And that is kind of, we designed it because churches wanted, um, churches wanted a resource that their teachers could use during children's worship to help train children to worship. And that I love it. Purposeful time. Yeah. And so through the work of the program teach us to worship. It can mm -hmm. be confusing because the curriculums teach me to worship and our program is teach us to worship. But gotcha. through the program, our hope is to refresh and rewrite that curriculum mm -hmm. and um, hopefully make it a little more user friendly because mm -hmm. uh, we've had some volunteers um, say that it's too much, which I would agree as a previous. Teacher. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. And then also build an at home component because if you think about these parents, I mean, one of the arguments to have children's worship mm -hmm. for either a portion of the service or for all of the service is because you have families who are coming to the faith, you know, now yeah. and not they grow up in church. And so how yeah. would they even know? And so mm -hmm. we want to create this at home component, a parent component so that they can understand worship and the elements of worship so that they can help learn together with their children at the same time, you know, what it is and help train them so that they're all, um, so they all have a deeper understanding of worship and how they all can participate. Well, and the thing that uh, is consistent in all of what you're saying is intentionality mm -hmm. on the part of church leaders, uh, intentionality, um, 
about what's being taught, where it's being taught. But even in like the liturgy of your Sunday morning worship service, like I love how you said, if we don't teach the families, if we don't teach the kids what we're doing, and here's the deal is why we're doing it, mm-hmm. um, then how are they going to know? And so um, I was raised in a uh, non-liturgical background and I'm, I'm a Baptist today. And it's just funny when you were saying some of that, I didn't grow up with any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I, we, and it's, and it's a long story, but typically that you don't see that in a lot of Baptist churches. Um, there's always a liturgy. That's a whole nother conversation, but mm-hmm. we just were, you know, it's a whole nother thing. Um, however, even in our church um, that my wife and I are members at, um, they just started working in more of those, uh, intentional scripture calls to worship benedictions, you know, at different liturgical means to be intentional with the congregation even down to how you talk about communion, how you talk about giving, all in, like you mentioned, a response to God. And mm-hmm. so if our listeners, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm not Reformed, I'm not in the PCA, I'm not even a Baptist, we're definitely not liturgical. There's some people um, that I talk to that they have a real aversion to liturgy because they've seen bad versions of it or they've seen stale or cold versions of that. I would just, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lainey, but... I would just encourage that listener, if that's where you find yourself listening to this, uh, do, I want you to hear that intentionality in everything Laney's talking about. So intentionality on the part of the pastors, intentionality on the part of the children's ministers, and then hopefully intentionality of the part of the parents um, to go, if we can set the stage for our kids, if we can set the stage for our families to really see what we're doing in the church, but also why we're doing what we're doing, and then launch them into that Monday through Saturday with continued intentionality. And so um, would you agree with that, Lainey? Is that is that kind of your heartbeat there? Yes. And I, I think what I would add to it is um, I think I would kind of ask a specific, you know, like a church, mm-hmm. what is your hope for a child? A fi- you know, think of a five-year-old child. What is your hope for them as a 20-year-old? Love and it. I would, I would hope that they would say that they are um, – believers walking in the faith connected to a church you know like all all of our hopes Hmm. well what are you going to do to get them there yeah and so if a five-year-old comes into a worship service and is maybe unwelcomed or Mm -hmm. there aren't those stepping stones um what are we communicating to that child sure maybe communicating that worship is for Mm grown-ups that is something i'll do later in life Mm um i only need things that cater to my needs like my Mm. groupings you know like if they're always ushered into their own sections Mm. and then my challenge would then be Mm. if you have a child who's received into worship Mm -hmm. what do you think they are perceiving Mm -hmm. they are perceiving that they can be actively worshiping now Mm. that this god that calls them to worship isn't waiting for them to turn 20. <laughs> he right, right. love to have a relationship, you know, with this child and mm. that that worship can begin then, you know, it's right. always been part of it. And so I, that would be kind of like my, um, my kind of like my question and challenge yeah. is there are things we're doing now that communicate <clears throat> things um, to a child that we don't even realize. Oh and yeah. Like, let's just, pay attention to those because Mm. if our hope is this you know a 20 year old who's 
active in the faith and, mm. you know, in their church and all that, a, a disciple, um, a resilient disciple, well, what are we going to mm. do now to get them there? And right. so I think thinking about worship and ways that we can train children in worship and help parents and congregation and elders mm. do that well is, is a worthy calling. Yeah. And we had uh, in our first season, we had one of our friends, his name is Matthew Deprez, and he used to work for Fuller Youth Institute. And he's done a lot of research on intergenerational worship and has written on it. Really good stuff. Um, but he, I love how he talks about, you know, just not only kids being present in the worship service, but kids being active and uh, kids being even used. I mean, I, I, you know, as a former youth minister, this really speaks to my heart of going when it's appropriate you know, when it makes sense based on your churches, uh, how they set things up, how they run things, how they utilize volunteers, like there are some roles and some simple ways on a Sunday morning to involve children and youth that don't harm anything. They're not mm -hmm. being called to, you know, like, but simple little things like in our church, um, when the offering, when the part of the worship service comes in response with offering, uh, we normally have children and youth that make up the bulk of our volunteers for that. Just simply passing the little bucket or, mm -hmm. you know, serving in little ways. We have teenagers that serve in our worship team. And and it's just, I love, but here's the deal. is The elephant in the room for a lot of denominations is a lot of folks, um, you know, children, they still kind of adopt this kind of cultural statement of children are meant to be seen and not heard. Mm -hmm. Um, and so uh, there have been times in the past, I've mentioned this on the podcast, when I go and speak at a church or, uh, go in a situation like that, where, um, you know, really, really wonderful children's ministry volunteers will come up to us and say, Hey, right before the service starts, Hey, you know, we've got children's church ready. If your kids want to go and we say, and we're always very thankful because we actually are thankful. Mm -hmm. And we go, thank you so much for that. Um, sometimes we'll send them, but the majority of the time we go, hey, you know, it's just a personal thing. We're just going to keep them with us in the service. And they look at us like we're a zebra. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, are you an alien? Like, what are you? Because And so I want to, and I totally understand that it's a cultural thing. It's a mm -hmm. denominational thing. So for a lot of people, what you're describing is mm -hmm. like, yep, I get it. I understand it. Here we go. Uh, for a lot of others, it's it's a brand new thought or or if they've been listening to us for a while, it's something that they've mulled over in their mind a little bit. They've considered it. They might have staff restrictions where they cannot do that. Uh, there's all sorts of conversations we could have, but you've already mentioned one resource and you it was called Reformed Worship by what was the author's name? John T. Rhodes. John T. Rhodes. I was going to say, are there any other resources before we move into the resources that you are working on and you're going to provide? Any other recommendations you can give to our listeners about how they can dive a little deeper into that subject of intergenerational worship? Um, my most favorite one, which you probably may have already mentioned in the podcast, is "Let the Children Worship" by Jason Halopoulos. I That we have not, we have not oh, mentioned that one, but I love okay. that author. And okay. I, "Let the Children so Worship." He has what's really great about his book is that it's a short. I mean. It's, it's like less than a hundred pages or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he, it's saturated with scripture mm -hmm. and he lays the foundation mm -hmm. on, you know, how we were made for worship, mm -hmm. 
what does corporate worship, who's included in corporate worship, uh -huh, yeah. how to encourage leaders, how to encourage parents, mm. and kind of, he just basically lays all this out mm. and gives the, the biblical um, support for it. Yeah. So it's a great read for both parents, um, pastors, um, mm -hmm. and even congregants to kind mm. of wrap their head around, yeah. because I think we have to be it's not something that's going to come real easy to do. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I know this as a parent of three. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Morning. It's not, yeah. not the easiest, but it's worth it. Oh, yeah. And you have to know why it's worth it to kind well, of feel it. And that author, he's he also wrote A Neglected Grace, right, about family worship, which I would highly recommend to any of our listeners. It's an excellent book. I think we even reviewed it um, a couple years ago, but just just formational book. Love it. Um, cool. Any others, any others you'd like to, you don't have to, but those, I mean, we've, those are good starting places. Um, one of my new favorites is, um, Sunday matters by Paul David Tripp. And love I it. think I especially love that one right now because it's helping me build an understanding of, um, ways that God meets us every week in the service. And so love this it. one's it's kind of, it's a 52 week devotional. So you can read it on Saturday to prepare your heart for worship for Sunday or mm. Sunday morning, that kind of thing. Very cool. But as a parent, I like it because I can then kind of take what I'm learning and mm. that helps shape and frame how I'm teaching my child about mm. worship. Yeah. And when I become discouraged, it's just encouraging me as to why this is important work. Mm. And it's helping me kind of build my view on worship and yeah. why we gather corporately mm. for worship every week and the ways that God meets us. And so that's kind of a, a new one um, mm. that I like. I think it just came out in the fall. That's great. Um, and, so and I'll include these links in the, in the show notes for folks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I, I think that was a great opportunity for us to lean into just kind of in our last few minutes here, leaning into your teach us to worship role. And you, you've talked briefly about how you've been called to revamp some stuff, to create some stuff. So what can our listeners look forward to number one? And then I'd love for you to share how they can find you. And I know you have some updates there as well that are coming. So yeah, help us under, help us understand what's coming and all of that. Yeah. So um, this year we're specifically <laughs> working on uh, refreshing our teach me to worship curriculum, um, which I went through and building just those components um, for at home. And we also want to translate it to Spanish. Mm. Um, and then there's a few other things we want to work into it. And, um, and then hopefully next year, uh, we will be starting a pilot program to where um, we will go into churches mm -hmm. and train these three groups, these three main groups that we've mm. been talking about. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of in the works. And yeah. so at the, the, cause at the end of the five years, mm. the next five years, our hope is to be in like 80 churches to where we've done this program, mm. we've learned from it, and then we can really kind of run from, you know, like get, yeah. you know, going to even more churches yeah um but because it is that that three you know you do have to kind of do it all at the same time mm -hmm. or else you're just kind of losing people if, mm. if a parent is well trained and a child is well trained and they go into a service and the congregation looks at them funny you know mm -hmm. like your story then it's like 
really discouraging. And if yeah. a pastor never mentions a child, how discouraging is that for the child? You know, and so we mm. want to go into churches and train these three groups mm. so that they um, can build, can hopefully have this culture shift in which children are welcomed into worship. So that's, yeah. that's kind of, you know, that's a few years down the line, but you can keep, um, you can go to our website, teach us to worship.org. Mm -hmm. And that will, um, that will, that's where you can find more information on us and what we're working on. I love that. I love that. And so I would love for our listeners to stay, stay up to date with this ministry. I mean, even if you're not in the PCA, there's, there's guaranteed to be things that will bless you, your church, your family coming out of this ministry. So we love, like we said at the beginning, we love interviewing, partnering alongside like-minded ministries um, because like we said, um, man, there's more work to be done. There's then there's people to do it. And so we, uh, Lainey, we just want to praise God that, um, he has brought you and your family to this chapter. And, uh, man, our ministry is going to be praying for your ministry as you seek to develop and grow your resources. And, and, uh, we would just request as you keep us in the loop, we, we want to continue to praise God with you for what you're doing, the churches you're able to get into. And, and so, uh, I assume that on that website, the the teach us to pray or teach us to worship dot org, um, they have easy ways to contact you guys if they have questions, all of that stuff. Yeah, there's um, there's a page where you can contact us and uh, submit a message, and there's also a way for you to subscribe to our quarterly newsletters. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are two ways that. Um, people can engage with us. And I just kind of want to take the opportunity to, to say thank you mm -hmm. um, because you're, you're very sweet. I, I loved getting to know you at CPC mm -hmm. and hearing your heart for this ministry because that, that family time, that family worship time during the mm -hmm. week is crucial mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of reasons for a child to grow in their faith and then mm -hmm. to be a good um connecting kind of that bridge between church and home. And so, mm. um, yeah, I, I'm, I can't wait to see what resources and trainings that you guys come out with. And I think it's going to be so neat to see how God uses both of our ministries and maybe some collaboration in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, Lainey, thank you so much for being on, being on our fam time podcast. It, it's really an honor to have you. And, and I would say to our listeners, uh, yes, absolutely follow this ministry. If you have yet to um, subscribe to our podcast, we'd ask you to go ahead and do that. Give us a review. Helps other people find the podcast. Here's the mission of the podcast. It's the same as the mission for our ministry. It's abbreviated here, but we just want to equip and encourage parents and church leaders. I mean, that's how I've been saying it lately. We just want to uh, equip and encourage parents and church leaders. That seems to be the bulk of our audience. Um, so... Um, some of our episodes are really short, like five minutes. Some of them are longer, like this one. And I love that. I love that because this is a worthy conversation. We're very conversational, <laughs> pretty laid back, as you can tell if you're listening to us. But I'd say jump on board with us. Subscribe to our podcast. Share the share the word. And, and we hope and pray uh, that you are continually encouraged by this. Give us your feedback. Reach out to us. You can reach out to me at frank at famtime.com. Visit our website there at famtime.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, love to hear testimonies of how God's working in your church and resources we need to be connected to. Lainey, thank you again. And thank you listeners for being a part of this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fam Time Podcast. 
Please subscribe and leave us a review so that more families can be equipped and encouraged. For more information about Family Time Training, visit us online at famtime.com.